Welcome back to D-Time by D-Corp. In this second episode, I sit down with William Corvera, otherwise known as Mr. Chop. Chop pilots a JZS 161 Aristo, otherwise known as a GS 300 in the States, powered by a 500 horsepower 2JZ GTE. Originally, he got into drifting with an S14, which got pretty well known from his time with Risky Devil. And before that, he was a Honda nut, owning and working on several Hondas and Acuras. Chubb has been into motorsport since his dad originally showed him how to work on cars and has made it all the way to a dream cover feature on Performance Auto and Sound magazine. I've known him for 15 years. I've traveled the world with him. I've drifted with him. I've drank in with drinks with him. And even still, this conversation gave me a deeper understanding of who Chubb really is and how he thinks about the world. Thank you, Chubb, for being so open and honest in this conversation. Of course, we talk about things such as vehicle performance and styling, but we also talk about topics like mental health, financial management, and how to balance a healthy family life with your passion. One last thing, I'd like to give a special thanks to several people who reached out and offered to allow me to use their photos or video in the video background to this conversation if you're watching it on Spotify and YouTube. AJ Gillette from Risky Devil, otherwise known as Ill Photography, offered some old photos of Chobb's S14. At D Does Photo offered some photos of Chobb's Aristo from 2022. Similarly, Julius at A Dorso Moto offered some photos and videos from 2022. Antonio Elvendia from MotorMavens.com offered photos of Chobb's S14 drifting at All Star Bash in 2010 in California. And lastly, Performance Auto and Sound Magazine and photographer Ryan Lopez for letting us use the entire magazine spread of Chobb's feature in PassMag. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you very much. Welcome, Eric, to the second episode of the D-Corp D-Time podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I like D time because it's like T time, but D time. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad somebody got it. <laughs> uh, we'll try. We'll kind of, I guess, get right into it. We've already been talking a little bit before this, and I've already done an introduction before that they'll have heard before this uh, recording. So, can you give the audience a little bit of how did you get into motorsport? When did you get into motorsport? Uh, so, I guess growing up, I've always <clears throat> had my hands in cars because of my my dad. He was always kind of the hands-on maintenance type of person. And he had some car- cool cars growing up. Um, an 85, 635 BMW. He had for a number of years. His uncle gifted him a 67 Mustang at one point that we were going to try and restore, but it wasn't in the money favor at the mm. time, so that was sold, but was he actually like a tuner, quote unquote, or just did the work himself to maintain his vehicle? Yeah, I think it was more so maintaining our own cars to save money because A, he either wanted to learn it on his own or B, he didn't trust other people. Right. Right. So that was actually some of my chores growing up. You know, instead of having to mow the grass, which I also did, or take out the garbage or whatever that kids that have chores back then in these days is all right your chore today is change the brakes on the dakota or <laughs> oil change on the jeep or your chore for this weekend is we're changing the water pump and timing belt on the blah blah blah. right so i had a lot of hands-on experience growing up which is good right and i think that kind of segued my love into certain cars <clears throat> through the influence of my friends right mm-hmm. my father grew up with muscle cars uh bmw and then i got into japanese cars through the friends i had growing up right josh got me into hondas back then this Mm -hmm. was i want to say i got my first ride in his type r back in 2003 so was that first ride kind of like wow i think i like cars or were you already going down that path no i was already going down that path because my cousin Joey, who had already been building uh, his Integra back then, mm. and I got to 
experienced that. And then his brother had a 300ZX. So I guess, you know, it had to be my cousins and friends that helped me get into it. Cousins more so getting me into Japanese cars and then my friends in high school kind of having the same taste in cars, right? We all kind of fell into the Japanese mm-hmm. aspect of tuning, right? Mm-hmm. And then Josh with his 97 Champ White Type R, right? <laughs> the Picking fabled... up from school one time and chirped fourth gear in a stock car. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> what car were you driving at the time? Ah, oh, man, I had a, I want to say it was like a Jeep Grand Cherokee at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, a number of years down the line, I think I got it in 2004, maybe. Uh-huh. I came across a black Type R that we uh, found. And it was cheap back then. So we went to go take a look at it. I ended up picking it up, taking it home. And it was kind of my first dive into tuning, right? Because of the knowledge that I had with my father maintaining things, I got to do that on top of learning how to do, I don't know, stuff outside of your normal maintenance box, right? Yeah, you already had the like yeah. the bucket of knowledge, the foundation in, yeah. your, in your head to yeah. build on. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it was mostly just learning from other Honda dudes around the area, right? Um when was the first time you went to a track? Well, when was the first time you went to a track? And when was the first time you went to a track to actually drive? Huh. First time I went to the track, I want to say it was actually with Club Afar. Oh, really? Yeah, I never got to experience road racing in that aspect back then because it seemed so, I don't know, far? Like, un- like unattainable kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, right? I felt like... Going to a track of that sort was a rich man's thing, yeah. or you had to be part of a certain culture, or or what have you, right? And I felt like drifting and Club of Fire was more attainable, at least more acceptable with new people. I don't know how yeah. to explain it, but no, that's that's <clears throat> really interesting because that's part of the reason I'm, or part of the mission of like D Corp is to make this world seem less intimidating mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. newcomers yeah whether it's drifting or or even drag racing or, mm-hmm. or circuit racing whatever yeah um so if you look back on that i guess i would assume that you would say that was silly thinking and you should have just yeah i should have just went to attract that gingerman or wherever right but road racing always seemed to have this wall that was difficult to climb and do you think that while still kind of exists a little bit i feel like the mentality is a little bit different but as i get to know people in that in that culture it seems like the wall is a little bit lower these days and a little more a little less intimidating i'd say yeah but uh but the only way to i guess overcome that wall is to to just sign up yeah and show up and i've definitely seen a there, there's a specific reaction from drivers that see, oh, he's going to drive. He mm-hmm. signed up. Mm-hmm. He's here with his car. Mm-hmm. He's putting it on the line compared to, oh, he showed up and he's just spectating or mm-hmm. he's talking shit on the internet or whatever. <laughs> and that's not to say that you shouldn't spectate, of course. Yeah. Like I'm a huge proponent. That's how I started drifting was mm-hmm. I spectated for a whole year. Mm-hmm. But that wall is almost like self-imagined and if you just like yeah. break through it and just sign up yeah. it's like oh wait that was totally fake yeah yeah no that's true you should just go for it and take those leaps right yeah yeah started working on your own cars from the beginning really and you started doing most of the maintenance and and some of the tuning on hondas yeah say. yeah it was very very simple stuff coilovers brakes exhaust yeah. um Interior. Brakes. I didn't upgrade brakes when I was in my teens, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was more so pads and rotors, which definitely transformed the car into something that was a little dangerous, I'd say. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, especially in the Type R, it seemed like it was more of a, a detriment more so than... What, too aggressive of a pad? That didn't yeah, I think the bite was too much. I feel like 
I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but there are a lot of times where I would be too hard on the brakes and the rear end would lift and I'd have to counter steer while braking. Uh. In a Honda and on the street at that age, I feel like is too much for most people, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I should have not done that at that point. Well, that's a good segue to my <clears> next <throat> question was, what did you do wrong as a beginner? <laughs> now, as a beginner in drifting... Yeah, right? so we can. you already said what you did wrong yeah. with Hondas. I would say... With the S14, that I I wish I didn't cut up the fenders and do over fenders. Oh, it was a really really clean car. But back then, I I don't know. I feel like there was such a heavy emphasis on front front fiberglass fenders, over fenders in the rear, bigger wheels, this and that, and big arrow, which is cool, right? But I think now that we're in our elder years and looking back at things, there's a lot of nice stock metal cars right yeah. and and looking back i'm like man i had a really nice stock metal s14 <laughs> that i should have never cut right and uh yeah. I, yeah I would say that was my biggest mistake that's how i um and kind of looking at the brz right now is enjoy the simplicity mm-hmm. because it will get wild eventually yeah but let's just leave that for a different time once i end up crushing the quarter panel or something <laughs> from a from an incident then we'll cut it up yeah but yeah yeah don't just jump to that because you can't go back yeah yeah exactly that's what i thought a number of years later walk me through because i honestly don't even know or maybe i do you had the integra yes did you sell that immediately for not immediately did you sell that and go immediately to the 14 i did yes you sold it to get into the drifting world yes i did on the 14 was there anything when you purchased it that you took for granted whether mm. it was a low amount of power or a high amount of power and it could be good or bad even taking it for granted was it i remember you talking about it being super laggy yeah this was a long time ago so <laughs> i don't remember the the context yeah. the details of that but maybe yeah. that was one thing where you you didn't realize how bad the lag was and that mm-hmm. changed how you look at things in the future yeah i'd say looking back i wish it wasn't that type of build for the motor it had cams exhaust manifold it had a gt 2871r but it was the big 2871 wasn't it yeah like the one ar the, or something it had a 0.86 so okay. it's big right i think these days people use 0.64 i think so for the two liters right yeah so i'd say as cool as it was back then it sounded really cool and it definitely added to the character of the car but if i were to have started over i think a stock sr would have done me a lot better for your learning progression i think so but and and on the flip side of that because it was so laggy it taught me a lot of footwork and a lot of half clutch technique which helps a lot these days with the the orso or the gs and the way we try and drive together Mm -hmm. I think it helped that aspect of it. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. It could have been more simple and helped me progress probably faster or I don't know. You know, I remember it being pretty reliable. Yeah, it was. It really was. Well, all of your engines. I hope I don't jinx anything <laughs> right now. But Well, the Type R wasn't reliable. <laughs> the, the Honda was the unreliable yeah, one. Yeah, that one. We blew that motor. What, uh, how did you blow it? I don't remember. I just remember... A friend driving it, and then all of a sudden it just, <laughs> and there was, I think, a hole in the piston or something like that. So it was a whole full oh, wow. rebuild and, you know, just crazy June motor back then. It revved like 9,600. Right. It was pretty cool. Right. But yeah, with the S14, I don't know what it was. Uh, Josh and Simba and, and you, I think, maybe Ilya also would agree to this, but my 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 rev limiter was set low on that on that motor. And I never had issues. Mm-hmm. I want to say, how long did I have that car? 2007 to probably 2012. And no motor work was ever done to that thing. And it was always beaten on pretty good. And what's your rev limiter on the Jay-Z set to right now? 73, maybe? 72, 73? Which is it's, it's really roughly low. OEM, but yeah, not as high yeah. as you could go. Mm-hmm. I know I was driving my 1J to uh, a solid 8. Yeah, and the drivetrain that I have in the 
GS and the JZ right now. It's good for 85. So it's built for 85, 85 yeah. but you're running it at OEM. Yeah. And it's been rock solid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also don't push a lot in the in the Jay Z, right? I think we always talk a bunch of funny business about it and always talk about turning up the boost or whatever, but it's been good where it's at. I, I don't know. Over five hundred horsepower is <laughs> <laughs> I could make a good six and yeah, you know. I don't know. That is an important aspect though, to like overbuild and mm -hmm. underrun. And then, yeah, you naturally get more longevity, power. right? Or yeah, longevity. Yeah. I think that's a lot of what a lot of people don't understand too about from the OEM perspective is almost everything that a mechanical engineer is going to design mm -hmm. is going to have like a two or three X safety factor mm -hmm. so that it can run 100,000, 200,000 miles. Mm -hmm. But then we start tuning them yeah, and, and close. the manufacturer down the street says, Oh, it can do 85. Yeah. So we push it to 85. Yeah. Uh, and then we're surprised when it yeah. lets go in a few months. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It'll work for a while, but how long yeah. does it actually last? I think the other thing too, is that what the Jay-Z is limited to 600 or no, no, the trans, my R154 is limited to 600, right? This, Just you mean the general accepted power, power rating, level yeah. for that yeah and for me that. i feel like the difference between 500 and 600 wheel is not gonna be that much of a difference if that makes especially any sense. for most of the tracks we drive. yeah i feel like it just would be for the fun factor or being able to say that i have more horsepower than simba or i don't know whatever. Sure, which is very important <clears throat> always hurt i don't know if i can touch his you know he's gonna try and make a thousand you know i think if if I had the choice between five and eight hundred, maybe I'd make the jump. But between five and six, I feel like there's no point. Yeah, it's like the law of diminishing returns at that point. Yeah, and a lot of it has to do with budget and time mm -hmm. and expectations. Mm -hmm. The more power you push, or the closer you get to the limit, it's going to break. Yeah, and so some people will accept that. Like, okay, cool, I'll just rebuild another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Which guess we are I can't usually do that right now. Yeah. <laughs> Or when I was talking to Mike, he was saying he always looks at it as like, well, if it blows, that's less seat time. So yeah. I better not do that, regardless of money. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. No matter what, even if you have a ton of money, it's still downtime, right? Unless you're hurt, who has three, four drift cars. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm actually curious to maybe touch again on that lagginess, because that was, I know the twin setup that I had on the super a while ago yeah. was laggy. Yeah. And while it sucked, it did really teach me something about driving style. A, just like a lower horsepower car mm -hmm. momentum. Mm -hmm. I had to keep the speed up mm -hmm. and what, whether it was braking on the e-brake or whatever, I had to keep the revs up all the time, mm -hmm. which sounds cool. First mm -hmm. of all, mm -hmm. And it's, I had to do it all the time with that setup. So then when I get less laggy setups, even though I didn't have to, I was capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. And I remember even with the BRZ, I was like using some of the same techniques mm -hmm. when it was not turbo yeah. to, yeah. to manage the, the lower power. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, I think footwork is a huge, hugely missed style aspect of drifting right mm -hmm. uh, it's no disrespect to anybody who has ls's or or you know whatever but i think when you put effort into the way your car sounds during drift right it makes a different experience for the spectator mm -hmm. even for you for yourself or even when you're looking back at videos or whatever mm -hmm. and i think it just sounds different right you know naoki does his technique for traction and style and you know the way he drives you could see it and then the way we do things also it's kind of like also has purpose but style right um now that i have a less laggy setup i sometimes get lazy i i, I know that the boost is going to build and mm -hmm. and sometimes i get lazy in that aspect and i i kind of have to remember to bring it back to the footwork technique mm -hmm. doing doing clutch kicks at in areas where you don't need to do it right just for for fun <laughs> for fun or this, yeah. yeah i always make fun of ken gushi every time you know we watch him 
do Formula D and he's fourth gear pinned and he's <laughs> clutch clutch kick transitioning, right? In Formula and, D, in Formula yeah, D, it's yeah, awesome. Making 1,200 horsepower or whatever. Yeah. It's funny, but, you know, it's style. And I, I can appreciate this because we are always guilty of, oh, keep it simple and mm-hmm. don't want it to be too hard to drive or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I guess, while well, I still think that that's totally true and the, and the best advice overall, there can be some benefits to having a harder to drive setup. Yeah. Depending on what is hard mm-hmm. to drive about it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Hmm. So with the Aristo then, mm-hmm. if you, if modern day Chab could go back and tell Chab on the day that you bought that Aristo, <laughs> is there anything that you would have, any advice that you would give yourself back then? Anything you've learned in that time? Hmm. The only thing I could think of is not to be too hard on myself. I don't know if it was me or coming from the S14 that made it difficult and frustrating to get into the GS, but I see a lot of kids these days taking the GS as their first drift car and having a blast, right? Totally wasn't my experience. Mm. I had a lot of times that I would compare it to the S14. Maybe it was us driving as a team that that I felt like held me back because I couldn't understand the car back then or just the way of tuning it that varied from tuning an S chassis, right? Harder or just different? See, sometimes I ask myself that. Was it really hard or was it the fact that there was no information on it, right? Back then, no one really drifted those. And there was no information other than what you see out of Japan. Mm -hmm. And even then, I couldn't read any of the stuff. There's no Google Translate back then, right? (laughs) And there was nobody I could talk to, really. So it was more of, let's try this part. Let's see if it works. If it doesn't, then move on to the next part. Or try this driving technique. If that doesn't work, then try a different one, right? And it it was very frustrating back then, I think. I think I wanted to sell it at one point. Right, because I felt like I wasn't being a part of the team in the aspect of being able to uh, be even with you guys. I guess I don't know yeah. how to how to like. I didn't want to be a detriment to the team, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was because of the car. But at the same time, that's growth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, yeah, if you can just accept that, yeah. hey, this is going to be difficult for a little while. Yeah, then that totally changes. Yeah. the whole journey yeah 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 i know well i was talking to josh who's i mean well, we all as car enthusiasts go back and forth on different cars that mm-hmm. we should or shouldn't buy in that <laughs> and i was talking to him about potentially getting a different chassis because i just made the chassis change and that was one thing that i told myself when i got the brz was like this is going to be one step back for a while mm-hmm. and but hopefully it will be 10 steps forward in the long run, but just be okay with it not being as good. Apparently I was what under optimistic on that yeah. because it performs incredible. Yeah. I want to <laughs> say it's 10 times better than your, your, your Supra yeah. was. Yeah. And maybe it's because I don't know, there's the Supra and the GS cars that weren't made to drift. Right. This is the FRS and cars like that really motorsports cars where a little bit of tuning goes a long way, right? Yeah. And the weight. Yeah. I've been reflecting on that a little bit recently with the BRZ, especially towards the end of the year when I got more comfortable with it. And I notice how, how much more controllable that chassis is compared Mm -hmm. to the Supra. And I'm pretty sure it's all weight. Yeah. And I mean, I was as guilty as anybody to be like, oh, weight doesn't matter. It's totally <laughs> fine. And certainly, I mean, we have tons of fun. Yeah. Weight is only one part of the equation, mm-hmm. but it does actually matter. Yeah. And length in your case, yeah. weight and length. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a big car. I think that's another thing I would tell my earlier self when I picked up the GS is it's never going to do some of the things that we would expect a drift car to just because it's it's huge right mm-hmm. especially the tracks that we do we do a lot of small tracks and it's not going to perform in a way that smaller cars do right mm-hmm. and that is something you have to accept as a driver of a car of such weight and 
limp, like you said, right? Yeah. Have you done anything to the car to specifically try to adjust for that? Yeah, you know, I tried the whole less camber, bigger tire thing, but in the end, it never really, never really mattered. I think also my driving technique and the lack of knowledge of tandeming with you guys um, doesn't help. So the more seat time that I get, the more I see, the more I do, the better it gets. Just need more seat time at the end of the day. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that it's any modifications that you've done have certainly they've helped or changed or something like that, mm -hmm. but it's seat time and it almost relates more to just your confidence behind the wheel. And like every time you do something like unexpectedly cool or, mm -hmm. or good in drifting, yeah. you come back and you're like, I didn't even think that was possible. Yeah. Now I know it's possible. So I'm yeah. going to do that over and over again. Yeah. And also another thing that's been holding me back is hitting you or the team or anybody right i don't know i've always just been afraid to hit anybody or bash my car or whatever right yeah. and i think getting over that has been a big helpful change right mm -hmm. you know i hit melvin last year i hit you a number of years before and mm -hmm. i feel like every time i hit one of you guys it just gets easier and easier luckily it hasn't been anything <laughs> too bad oh and then remember in california when i spun out and, and um hdm remember that who hit you uh, oh when you went like way off yeah, yeah 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 when i was when i was trying to put on gucci's door yeah yeah <laughs> yep yeah crashes have a big impact on the car style and you're you pay a lot of attention to style mm -hmm. uh you were on the cover of a magazine for your style <laughs> oh yeah it's right there right now it's hanging yeah. up right behind us I'll have to take a video of that. And, yeah. Um, so is is that why you were so afraid of, or I shouldn't even maybe, maybe a phrase the wrong word, so cautious of getting an impact is because you wanted the nice, clean, show car looking drift car? I think so. Or was it just, it was a newer car? I think it's just because, yeah, no, I think I just like having a nice car, right? I. We go out a lot here in the Midwest. We go to dinner and we go wherever. And You have a baby seat in the back now? I have a baby seat in the back, which I'm going to have two at one point, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know, man. For for a while, I was apprehensive to taking my car to things like Cars and Coffee or uh, Supercar Saturdays or anything like that just because it's, it was beat, right? And I don't know. I, Sometimes I feel stupid for thinking this way, but at the same time, I do enjoy going out for coffee for sure and going to these meets and and being proud of your car. Yeah, right. And I think that's just something that I have to suck up, right? If I want to progress, mm -hmm. it'll happen. Guess what? I'll get it fixed, right? Which is where it's going in a couple of weeks. It's going back to Mikey who painted the car to get fixed, right? And it's going to be fresh again and. Just in time for the new year for me to bash it up again, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's just the cycle. Yeah. And I've come to appreciate, you don't want to, you're not playing bumper cars or mm -hmm. the game that we're playing is not bumper cars. Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But I've always characterized it as we're playing this game of how close can I get without touching you? Mm -hmm. Which means sometimes I'm going to cross the line mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I'm going to touch you, chop. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the time you touched Josh? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> you came back. I think Josh is mad at me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that no, was... No, you're right. It's just it's just the game we play, right? Yeah, and as long as you're trying not to hit, hopefully they don't get to be too bad or they mm -hmm. don't, they're not too much of a wallet soak, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what has, in your opinion set the style for the aristo what makes it magazine worthy. cover worthy <laughs> uh, well like i said about the s14 and one of the things i wish i never did was cut up quarter panel mm. but of course i cut up the quarter panel on this car <laughs> so i don't know where i'm going with this but 
in a world where style can mean anything, right? You can do anything. You can go as big as you want and you can go as little as you want. But I feel like drifting right now, there's a lot of overly done things. A lot of overly done cars, right? Especially in the GS world, there isn't that much you can do to it other than aero, fenders, wheels, what have you, right? Um, I wanted to keep simplicity in mind. I wanted, I wanted the eye to be brought to certain attention whenever you look at it or notice certain things, right? The color, for instance. The first thing when you see my car is the color. Yeah, that I was love a huge, that huge thing for me. I think I built the car around that color in this face, right? What what red is that? I don't know. It um, I want to say it's a Lexus color, but I'm not 100%. It's not true candy. There's only two stages to it. We wanted to keep it simple in the fact that when I do bash it up, it's going to be easy to match, right? That's something you learned, I remember, from the S14, oh my God. is don't do candy on a drift yeah. car. <laughs> Everything didn't match. Yeah. And like After a few years, nothing matched, which is why I went black before I sold it. It's just nothing matched. Uh-huh. So, Mikey, thank you for your beautiful hands. But he's the one who figured out this color that would be, if we ever need to repaint anything, it's going to match fine. So I built that around this, right? Simplicity. Uh, a lot of the GSs now, I want to say, have huge fenders. Everyone has huge fenders. Minimum of 50 millimeter, right? Right. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to have to find wheels that would fit 50 millimeter over fenders mm -hmm. as spares. And I didn't want that. Not to say that it's bad because I really do love the look of it on certain people's cars who pull it off correctly. Right. Mm -hmm. But nobody makes fenders that small for this car. And I ended up buying these fenders off of Josh. These are car modify wonder 180 flares that are only 30 millimeters wide. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, like I kept it simple. The canards, which are Honda canards, they're Ings from DC5. Perfect. We were able to line up the fender to kind of lead up to the fender arch in the back. Mm -hmm. And then my wing, I think that's another part that stands out that's not simple, but also is simple. It's Ray's factory, low mount GT wing, and it really matches with the, the rear fender. Yeah, that's... So, I want to say the simplicity of this car with the right touches of certain detail that stand out is what really does it for me. You know, it might not do it for other people. And a lot of people may think that it didn't deserve the cover, but, you know, Pass Mag was kind enough to grant me the opportunity to be their cover car. Yeah. And I'm forever grateful for it. That's actually one thing that I dreamt about growing up. Import tuner was huge back then. Right. right? We were always in the import tuner, uh, D-Sport. Super, Super Street, Street was always mine. Right. And back then, growing up as a kid in high school, it's one day I want my car in a magazine. Right. I never thought I'd grace the covers of one. But maybe they saw the simplicity aspect of my car and it what really drew them to it. I think that's something that's actually really special about it that I didn't even realize until now. And we're sitting here staring at his, the magazine feature on his yeah. wall. Yeah. But the video accompanying this should have video of your car. Yep. I've never thought of your car as simple because you kind of have almost everything. Like you have True. an aftermarket vented hood, you have yeah. mirrors, you got a big wing. Yeah. It's low mounted, but it's a big wing. You have deep dish wheels like you have yeah, everything yeah. except for a wild livery mm -hmm. but for some reason you have tied it together in this like everything is understated mm -hmm. you have a big gt wing but it's low mount mm -hmm. you have wide fenders but they're not that wide mm -hmm. and they're just flares they're not the whole fender mm -hmm. you have a hood that like for most angles you can't even tell is an aftermarket hood but mm -hmm. it's got just one kind of drop vent mm -hmm. and that's why i want to say the paint brings everything together right the hood most people don't paint carbon fiber hoods, but most of it's painted right. with a few variations to show the carbon in it, right? The GT wing also painted, except for the end plates. So it kind of gets missed, right? 
because mm-hmm. it matches with the the trunk and the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. fender is painted, but I did leave the canards unpainted to match the end plates on the wing, mm-hmm. so that those two are kind of actually on, and the carbon on the hood. That is very cool, and it, it just ties together with. I'm fascinated by the fact that build list especially style but even performance Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with the bullet points that are on the spec sheet it's Mm. just like how does everything work together yeah and that's the only thing that matters yeah Yeah. like it doesn't very cool thank you i learned something today (laughs) i'm gonna change the subject a little bit and ask something that I'm curious about. We legitimately have not talked about, so this will be totally new to me. I've noticed in the last few years, you've started working on your car more often. Uh, Not to say that you didn't work on it before at all, but you used to take it to RCN Motors with RT quite often. And I think it's probably been to Tokyo Factory a few times. I don't even remember. But you've, well... I don't know about completely stopped using shops, but you've been doing a lot of the work on your own the last couple of years. Yeah. Why is that? I think it's mostly because I have my own space now for the most part. And it doesn't really need a lot. It's more so just aesthetic or simple things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say that, you know, when I went to RT and RCN Motors, there was a lot of motor work, head work, trans work. You completely did my harness in the front. What else did you do? We did the whole turbo setup, injectors again. I don't remember. There was a few things. Yeah, you're you're right though. That was when you first had the car, and there was a lot of big yeah. adjustments that were yeah. made. And I'm I am 100 okay with saying that that is not something I'm really capable of. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not that kind of tuner or car person. I. I, I'm not confident in those skills that I have, right? Mm-hmm. Every time I mess something up, I call you. Hey, Lee, <laughs> uh, I can't get my trans in. Can you come over? I should have never done this. <laughs> well, know? last time you helped me get my trans in. True, so. true, true. <laughs> but, you know, I don't see myself as that kind of car person. I wish I was. and I wish I could do more, but I had the opportunity to have RT and RCN maintain the car. Thank you very much, RT. and. Honestly, I, I think it's been so reliable because of him and me not touching it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to watch out for reliability these coming years. <laughs> no. Uh, so this year and the last couple of years, it's because I have, you know, we bought a house and I have a three-car garage. Small. Don't think of it as <laughs> a normal three-car garage. A small three-car garage. <laughs> but, you know, I've had my own space. I have my own time. And I have the yearning to learn more, which is what we talk about with growth. And mm-hmm. I picked up a welder and built my own downpipe uh, exhaust and everything. And I'm mostly just working on that to kind of keep up just the fun of things, right? Yeah. I think that's the important part is to re-innovate yourself, your mind, and change things up to keep it interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, I thought that was really cool when you got the welder. I was like, I didn't I know Chop had any <laughs> intentions on fabrication and welding, but yeah. he bought one and he's doing it. And, yeah. oh, wait, he made a downpipe. Oh, wow, he made an exhaust. <laughs> and, yeah, you just, yeah. like, figured it out. That's the cool part, too, is I think you've seen pictures. And I, I'm not going to be the one to say what it's going to be just because I want everybody to see it when it's done. But I'm redoing the exhaust again. Mm-hmm. You know, I lost the bumper on the highway uh on the way home from our last event this last year and had to get a new rear bumper so we're kind of changing up the exhaust again to see if uh, i can make something cool again huh can't wait to see that well, I know. and Me then too. you can work on my exhaust too yeah I'm, I'm, i'd be happy to it's something i want to do definitely dive into more when i have time it's just we got, i got two kids now right one's a month old and the other's two years old so it's a lot of juggling of time right so how do you find that time? I, I would imagine <clears throat> this podcast is as much for beginners as it is for mm-hmm. seasoned guys yeah. that are running into that same exact problem. We're all proceed is all getting to the age where yeah. we're getting married, kids, yeah. buying houses, yeah. and you're still 
going to the track. You have, <laughs> I've, I gave you a big compliment this past summer about uh, your daily is an E90 with <laughs> baby seats in the back yeah. and your fun car is an Aristo with yeah. baby seats in the back. How do you balance that? Okay, so the first thing you want to do is find your a wife that. <laughs> yep. No, no, no I'm not kidding though. No, seriously. I am not kidding. It, my wife is a huge proponent of our lifestyle, right? I don't think I would be as successful as I am now without her and her support, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're at the age where we should be—I don't know—doing other things, right? According to society, right? We're not supposed to be in the cars. We should be out golfing. No offense to golfers, or whatever. <laughs> but we shouldn't be dumping tons of money into these inanimate objects. But we do because it's our passion, right? And I hope to never stop. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you need a supportive, you need a support. You need your village. You need that person who has your back. And that is my wife, right? I built, not, not, not me, but it, it, I did the whole process of changing it to red wheels, GT wing, everything when we had our son, right? Mm-hmm. That was, he was, I don't even think he was one yet when that happened. And that's when I debuted it. But because of her letting me go into the garage night after night, not night after night, you know, I maybe three nights a week, two nights, whatever. We're talking as about balance as, as much as, much as, as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Because between work, the new baby and having to build a car, you have to find the time. Right. So that can either mean getting in the garage when he's napping or mm-hmm. getting into the garage when he's sleeping for the night or, you know, asking my wife, Hey, I know this is our time together, but can I go work on the car tonight for a little bit? And right. then we'll watch a movie tomorrow night, right? So balance is huge. You want to be able to combine all aspects in your life, but in a way where it's healthy, mm-hmm. right? And that's where balance comes in. I don't want to spend all of my time on the car because then I'll miss time with my family. And if I spend all the time with my family, I'm going to miss doing stuff in the car, which, yeah. Right. I mean, Obviously, money is an aspect too, and uh, I made sure to lay that groundwork before doing this change and continuing to do what we do. It's, I mean, you know me. It took me how long to get my my doctor degree? That's actually a bachelor's degree because it took me <laughs> nine years to get it. Even well, my mom jokes about it. And that's a really important thing that I wanted to mention. Is contrary to popular belief, you're not a drug dealer or something. <laughs> You have a very like normal life. You have yeah. an office job yeah. making a good amount of money, but yeah. not an obscene amount of money. No. Um, you, there's nothing abnormal about your lifestyle. No, no, not at all. Uh, normal nine to five. Your wife is a nurse. Four, nothing crazy. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have diamonds anywhere <laughs> <laughs> that I pawn off when I need to build a car no it's it's just balance like balance, you said right it's just finding um, out what, what's in your means can you can you possibly handle yeah yeah and you know i want to take my nine-year degree and put it to use for something right yeah, yeah. And i'll never forget the day you told me we were hanging out and doing something i don't know i had s 14 and it was a, a funny conversation because you said and that would be when we didn't even know no, no, extremely I, well or anything yeah i don't remember what what it was what car had anyways you were you said how's school i said good yeah doing this and that cool and then you said are you are you gonna be in college forever (laughs) (laughs) or are you ever gonna finish your degree right and i think that's where part of the balance came in is because i wanted to continue to drift right but i needed money so i would still work and go to school Mm -hmm. but it came to the point where i can't maintain what i want to do with the amount of money i'm making not to say dead-end jobs but the jobs that i didn't feel like were going to be the foundation for my life right so at one point i had to suck it up and go to school more than just one class a semester and finish not to say you need to go to school to be successful but you need to get that foundation finished before you build your house right right and whatever that may be, or however you may accomplish that, it's important to complete it because it's not cheap, right? And yeah, this is anything but cheap. I know that's a big driver of many in my life. Yeah. For career. 
yeah. well, I need to make money. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot more to it. You know, I yeah. want to have a purpose. I want to yeah. create cool things, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. And that's why I say you need support because no matter how much money you make, you still need that other person in your life who you chose to spend it with. If you're married, if you go down that route, right. To have them be okay with you spending obscene amounts of money mm-hmm. on whatever it is you're passionate into. Mm-hmm. Right. As long as my wife and I always talk, as long as the kids are fed, bathed, clothed, we have food and a roof overhead, bills are paid, whatever else after that is, is fair game. Right. So, hmm. um, yeah. Did you ever end up taking a break through in your no tenure of drifting? I don't think I ever really needed it. Right. I know I noticed a lot of people getting burnt out because maybe they're doing too much or they're stuck or what have you. But instead of taking a full, full break where I don't drive, I don't drift or whatever. I just lessen the workload so to say right right instead right. of doing five you events three events you don't go to zero. Yeah, yeah 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 or even if it means not going to events or whatever as long as you're driving your car and having fun i don't consider that really taking a break mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i think you need to maintain the continuity in order to maintain your passion right have you or or do you have any tips or recommendations or anything for money management as related to cars any yeah. anything uh, that you any i don't know concepts you have spreadsheets you have or uh, just figure it out in your balance yeah i don't never really been good i mean obviously i mean what car guy really is good at money management <laughs> right but i want to say keep your appetite as big as as your end goal is right I don't know if a lot of people know this, but when we went to find out about the special stage West, it was kind of a last minute thing for us. Right. And I didn't really have it in the budget that year to spend whatever money we needed to get out to Cali and, and, and do the event and come back. So humble yourself, right? You, on the nights and weekends that I didn't work my nine to five, I did DoorDash. Nice. I did DoorDash a lot and I, and I did it enough to cover my plane ticket and Mm -hmm. most of my transport fees and everything. But I think no job or no way of making money is ever too good for Mm -hmm. you. If it means capturing your end goal, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of people, I don't know, look down on certain things, but I think if, if you're hungry enough, you'll do anything to make that goal. Right. 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 Uh, Money management though, man, don't spend beyond your means. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who believe that they need their car to be built in order to drift their first event, but that's not the case. Um, start small, right? Which is what I wish I could have done back in the S14 is, you know, there's a certain fun aspect in order to grow with your car. Yeah. In, in growing with your car is what I mean. And you don't blow your pockets that way. You kind of build as your money grows. and. You don't want to put yourself in debt for this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, don't let the internet hype you into making bad decisions is, Ooh, is my money management advice. <laughs> nice. Perfect. <laughs> totally different than what I was expecting, but just as valuable. <laughs> I wanted to ask you because it's important, especially in today's culture and with the, um, a lot of the people that we deal with and we can edit this out as much as you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. Um, mental health. Yeah. Um, you've struggled with it a little bit, mm-hmm. especially in recent years. Yep. Can you tell us, I, I don't know, probably not getting into details, but what, how have you managed your mental health and how would you su- maybe suggest that other people should? We're not doctors. Don't listen to us, <laughs> but you, de- you dealt yeah. with it. Yeah. I mean, I can only tell you my experience and what worked for me and in hopes that that works for you. I'm- Mental health is important, right? You and I grew up in a time where men aren't allowed to have mental health issues, right? And I think that stigma needs to change. Mm-hmm. We all need help. We all need breaks. And we all need, I don't know what. We need love, man. Like, you know, <laughs> it's love goes a long way. But also stress. You know, we, as a society, put a lot of stress on ourselves. And 
honestly, like my last statement, internet has a lot to do with it, right? I feel like in car culture, you're you're expected to keep up with trends or keep up with your drift teammates or go to these events and don't fall behind, right? But that's not the case. Everybody learns in their own space and time and don't let the stresses of what others are doing around you weigh you down in a way where your passion degrades because of how stressed you are, right? And for me, it was... I think work uh, on top of my son being born and just everything else that I felt like I needed to keep up with. And I feel like I needed to take a step back and reevaluate what were, what things were important to me. Right. Like you talked about taking a break. Did I ever take a break? No, but I took a step back. Right. And I think that's important to be able to realize and, and be able to see, but Man, I it got bad for me, right? I I got to a point where it was it was scary, and my wife had to call my parents and have them come here and help me. Otherwise, you know, who knows what could have happened? And it's it's mm-hmm. just your village needs to be there, your support people needs to be there, but most importantly, you need to be there to remind yourself that really there is nothing expected of you, right? Mm. Even though society tells you, you have to do this, you have to do that. You really, as long as you're fed and you have a place to live, really anything after that is, is whatever, you know, it's not needed, right? It's all, it's all a bonus. Yeah. It's all a bonus to life. So right? why stress about yeah. the bonus? And I think that's, you know, where sometimes the car culture makes it difficult, right? Yeah, we're some of the worst yeah. bragging on the internet about Yeah, it. yeah. Society these days makes it so difficult to stay in your own lane, right? We see how people are doing and we expect ourselves to be just as good or have just as much, which isn't the case, right? Some people are born with more. Some people get into things at the right time or some people just don't have it, right? And, it, and any way your life is given to you or any way that your life is, is okay. Or I always like to look at it too as, or maybe it's just not your time yet. Yeah. It will yeah. come. You're yeah. seeing somebody else do it now. Yeah. Keep grinding or keep finding balance yeah. or whatever at that point in time. Yeah. And it will come. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, you know, it was hard. It was probably the scariest time of my life, you know, being that my son is born and me going through this, but, you know, take all the unneeded stress off of you. Get help. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay. And I, I'm on medication, right? I'm on medication to, to even me out. And, you know, I make sure not to take on too much stress or make sure to get good sleep. You know, sleep is a big component, I, I feel like, right? There was a whole thing growing up that sleep is the cousin of death, right? Growing up, that was kind of the thing that we said, but really sleep is important. Yeah, I'll sleep when, I de- when I'm dead. <laughs> terrible advice because you're yeah. going to die sooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, man, talk, talk about it. Don't be afraid to, I'm a big feeling guy. Right. And I, I tell people how I feel and I, I really put my, my feelings on the table, but I feel like anybody and everybody should do that. There's yeah. no reason to hold it in. Like what, you're going to look weaker because you put your feet. No, I think you look stronger by putting your feelings right. on the table. And there's very few people that are going to look at you yeah. like, oh, just man up. That's so outdated. Yeah. And maybe it's our sphere mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. world that we live in, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine a single person that I know looking at me like weird or telling yeah. me to man up or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. They'd be like, tell me what it is. Let's work through it. Yeah. That's manning up is working through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we shouldn't have to do that. Right. And oh, my actual diagnosis was postpartum depression. Mm. When... My son was born. born, yeah. And unbeknownst to me is that forty-six percent of males have postpartum depression. Uh-huh. Nobody was ever told that. Right. Everyone was always told that postpartum depression only happens to the women. Mm-hmm. No, man, it happens to both parties. And you, I remember you told me a while ago, uh, and you already mentioned it, but sleep. You said you didn't yeah. sleep for like days. Oh my god! Yeah, when he was born, I just I don't know, man. I had I had it in my mind that he was gonna die or something, right? Yeah. So I didn't sleep. I think I went, I went on like a four day streak of not sleeping and it just 
I imploded from the inside. Yeah. Lost my mind. For and, and that's an extreme example. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I feel like, and I, I reflect back on my twenties and that, and, you know, getting four, even six hours of sleep yeah. a night that adds up. Yeah. And we think about like, like children, mm-hmm. you know, as you're, as Liam gets old, yeah. if he doesn't, get his sleep what happens well, it loses his mind <laughs> and then i, I don't have think to deal that with changes it. when we get to be adults oh. oh my god yeah when that guy doesn't get his sleep it's just terror like father like son yeah exactly <laughs> and it's funny now that you know it feels like there is no end when it happens but now that we had our second baby dude i she's crying <laughs> jenna has to wake me up i just you know are you getting sleep now oh my god because yeah. he is a newborn now so. Yeah, uh, yeah. My mom has been a big, helpful proponent of that. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, sleep. At the end of the day, sleep, sleep, and talk about your feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, the final question that I have: What have you changed your mind on within motorsport or car culture in the last, let's say, twenty years? Don't be scared to venture into the unknown. Hmm. Right. I think now that I have the United, I do plan on doing track days with it. How many years later after owning my type R and, you know, making friends in that industry or that uh, part of car culture. I'm excited to not learn a new skill, but just expand my skill set. Right. I think everybody should be able to try different things in motorsport. Um, Well, and that kind of goes back to one of the, beginning things that we said with that wall of just being scared of sit going to a track day yeah yeah and who cares yeah no seriously (laughs) right i think part of the the fear that i had was like man am i gonna be slow and now i'm like probably yeah (laughs) but who cares right if i'm having fun who who cares right you know i'm planning taking the e90 with maybe tires and that's it and you know back back when I first started this thing, I probably would have been like, no, I need coilovers, brakes, wheels, uh, seat in order to hit my first track there. Right. right. But I, I'm going to go in with the stock seats and maybe leave the baby seat in the back just so I don't take it out. <laughs> Hopefully take Liam out. <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool. Right. I think that's one thing that I would really like to change or feel like the changes should be had is just don't be scared to, to talk to new people. Right. Everyone's friendly. Even if they have resting murder face like I do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one one of my favorite quotes is everything you want is on the other side of fear. Yeah, seriously, right? I mean, how many things, times in life have you experienced overcoming that fear and look back and be and think that, oh man, that really wasn't as scary as I thought. Yep. Or I wish I would have done this earlier, right? Everyone's nice until they don't. Don't be fake, right? <laughs> don't I be think fake. I think people have a bullshit meter, right? Yeah. And that's the problem with car culture. Don't be fake. Do this for real. Don't 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 build a car for clout. You know, do it because you want to. Do it because you want a skill set. Do it because it brings you closer to your friends, right? Whatever it is, car shows, motorsports. Uh, I don't know. Even spectating, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you just want to be a spectator, yo, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Just have fun don't don't follow the drama don't don't try and make waves because you think it'll get you more views right just enjoy enjoy yeah. make friends eat good food <laughs> <laughs> wise words from mr chob <laughs> which brings me to mr chob mm. where does chob come from chob came from a long long time ago Back when I was a little chob. Uh, a baby chob. <laughs> baby chob. No. This happened in high school. Um, I was a breakdancer back then. Not that I was any good, but I had fun. And I did it for about five, six years. Did a lot of battles. Going to different places. Kind of like what we do with drifting. We go to different places and we experience hanging out and doing this dancing but you got kicked off. Yeah, because I got into cars and I started spending more time with cars instead of dancing. But freshman year of high school, they signed us up. They, being my friends, because I was out, signed us up for a talent show, which we did every year. And I will say was fun. 
um, they didn't know my last name, which is Corvera. So my friend who has set me on this path <laughs> through my life to put my name down as Chabacano. That's the full nickname. Chabacano. Chab is just short. It's just, it's too long. Chabacano, I believe in our culture means Mexican-esque looking <laughs> type. I, I, can anyone confirm this? Cause I, I don't, I'm not hundred percent. Let us know in the comments. Let us know. Um, but yeah, Chab for short. And yeah, it's followed me my entire life. What my a mom, fateful day. My mom even has my name in her phone is Chob. Not even son or or anything. It's just Chob. That's who you are. Yeah, you're right. And everybody can find you on social, yeah. Mr. Chob. Mr. Chob. Basically. Yep. I don't even think there's a dot in there. I think it's just Mr. Chob. Cool. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here for the second one. I hope everyone enjoyed.